0: The internet is a place where big, huge companies are controlling whatever is happening. They are setting the rules of the game. They are enforcing the rules of the game, and they are changing the rules of the game. We can hardly call these markets.
1: <veckling noise> <Il presidente. transferenze> on, <you> <sharp inhale> the
2: resolution is adopted. Hello and welcome back to Take a Left, the podcast from the Socialists and Democrats. I'm Alex White. I'm Manuela Lucianen. Beautifully pronounced, still working on pronouncing that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the tips. We <laughs> um, get there. I will. We're here in the European Parliament in Brussels. Well, Manuela, what's been happening in Brussels this week? We had the ministers of the 27 European countries here for the European Council. We approved the sixth package of sanctions. And we took advantage of the prime ministers and, and presidents being here. In Brussels, we had uh, Pedro Sánchez, the Prime Minister of Spain, here in Greece. Beautiful moment. Yes? We Did you get wait. to speak to him? No, unfortunately not, but we were waiting for him. Yeah. It was a big moment. The room was full.
1: Now, with the war in Ukraine, we are witnessing a tectonic shift that will change the course of history. Uh, we, as uh, pro-European, and even more as social-democrats, we have uh, an attractive project for the European Union opposite to the free right of the conservative and the irreceptive model, or the illiberal alliance of European nations uh, proposed by the far right.
2: He spoke about how we saw solidarity at the start of the pandemic, and it's time to translate that into policy. He spoke about a new multilateralism. He talked, talked about patriotic uh, Europeanness uh, being the response to Putin's division. And it was inspiring stuff. The purpose of this podcast is to speak about the Digital Markets Act, about ending the digital wild west, to use a, to use a phrase that we often use. Uh, my colleague, Alex Stanchev, spoke with uh, Rene Rapassi a German MEP, who is the shadow rapporteur on the file. And so, without much further ado, we'll hand you over to Alex. Enjoy.
1: Thanks for joining. I know it's a busy time, so we're here in the European Parliament and we are regulating the Internet. Often we hear about the grandiose cliché ending the digital wild west. It's broadly accurate. The Internet, the digital space, online is broadly unregulated still. Or rather, the rules that govern it are out of date. I have the pleasure to have with me here in Brussels, René Repassi, the S&D negotiator on the Digital Markets Act. Hello, Mr. Repassi. Hello. Are people being taken advantage of? Why do we want to regulate the internet? Now, the Digital Markets Act is
0: something new, something innovative, something that we do not have globally. the United States or even in China, they are looking uh, with jealousy at us what we did there. So therefore, what did we actually do there? The internet is a place where big, huge companies are controlling whatever is happening. They are setting the rules of the game, they are enforcing the rules of the game, and they are changing the rules of the game. It is a bit like, and you, know, you said already, Wild West, or like we had it like 120 years ago when the big oil companies started and they were just dictating whatever happens. We can hardly call these markets because it's monopolists that are on those platforms that are active here on these markets that define, one could even say in a dictator kind of way, uh, what is happening there. And that, for, Whenever there is so much power focused on one entity, it's always to the detriment of consumers and end users.
1: In the world of digital we hear basically two main notions these days. One is the Digital Markets Act and the other one is the Digital Services Act. What is the difference between them? What makes Digital Markets Act more different than the Digital Services Act? Mm-hmm.
0: The Digital Markets Act aims at a very particular group of big tech companies, if you want so. We call them gatekeepers. And these are the online platforms that are so big that they, by their presence, they lead to distorted markets and harmful business practices. So let's think about... Facebook, think about Google, think about Amazon. And because they are so big, we have to regulate them differently than other actors that are active on the digital markets. So the Digital Markets Act is therefore designed to look at the most powerful ones, whereas the Digital Services Act looks at all um, actors on the digital markets. And there must be a distinction between those, those two, obviously. Plus, the presence of the gatekeepers already leads to distorted markets, whilst with the Digital Service Act we want to create a market environment in which end consumers and end users can make most use of digital markets. And therefore we have these two sets of rules, one that is, that is, that is controlling the big ones, and the other one that is setting the rules of the game for all digital um, yeah, services.
1: So, but what do you answer to the allegations that you are working, you personally and the S&D group, are working against big tech? Is this something, is Digital Markets Act in your work directed against the big tech? The Digital
0: Markets Act is not directed against big tech. The Digital Markets Act is directed against a distorted market Um, that ultimately is to the detriment of end users and of consumers. Because look, what we have here in a situation is that we have platforms on so-called multi-sided markets. So you have consumers on the one hand, you have service providers um, or other companies offering products on the other. And what everybody wants to hear is to have the perfect match between the consumer and the one who is producing product or offering a service. In order to bring those together, there are a lot of costs attached to this, so-called search costs. What the platforms say is, we reduce your search costs because we do the ideal match. And there are a lot of companies paying for it. But creating the ideal match means a lot of data collection and a lot of data profiling. So that you can say, this consumer is precisely looking for this company and we bring them together. That means the bigger you are, the better the matches. Meaning you're getting bigger and bigger and more and more companies actually want to buy this intermediation service that you as a platform are offering. And by that there is an incentive, a, a perverse incentive to collect more and more and profile more and more and more in private hands
1: which are hardly regulated. So this means that small and medium companies don't have the chances precisely big 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 companies have. Precisely. This is the point. We have so, we have we have so much
0: dominant companies on those interconnections. They are so big that no small one has ever the chance to actually challenge them. And that's the reason. Therefore, they are called gatekeepers. They open and close the gates and they decide in an arbitrary manner whether they do that or not. And on the top of it, because they are on the gatekeepers, they can create own services that are competing with other services. Think about payment services. And by self-preferencing, by giving preference to their own services, they can even dry out the market that wants to make use of their gate in order to access consumers, this is just not acceptable. It's not about big tech.
1: It's about a market that is not working f- properly. So this leads me to my next question. I know that you are very proud of the interoperability. Mm-hmm. This is something that the S and D achieved uh, during the negotiations. Is this does this basically break the rules of monopoly and gives opportunity of consumers to to use? a particular service without necessarily being obliged to upload uh, certain things on their mobile devices. Ah, it's very good that you mentioned interoperability because this
0: sounds very technical, but it shows extremely well what we want to achieve by that. EU's consumer protection legislation and data privacy legislation, think about the general data protection regulation, the GDPR, is based on one model, which is the free choice and the free will of the consumer to um, tell a company, don't do that or do that. So if we are tracked, if our data is collected on the internet, the rules say, you have to consent to this or you have to reject it. What we currently see is that there is no free will because let's take messenger services. Everybody's on WhatsApp and they have very difficult, very problematic general conditions, especially when it comes to data collection. And people are even aware of this. And despite the fact that end-users are aware of it, they use WhatsApp because everybody's on WhatsApp. Because there's the group groups up of the school where the kids are going and they want to be in exchange with them. So they just waive all the rights that we give to them because the biggest player on the market is bringing them all together. What interoperability now does is bringing actually the market back to its basic functions. Interoperability means that on whatever messenger service you are, let's take Signal, let's take three miles as competitors of WhatsApp with better privacy-related general conditions, you have access to
1: WhatsApp groups without setting up a WhatsApp account. So this means if I get you right, I am on WhatsApp and I text you on WhatsApp on my phone and you get... my message on Viber without having WhatsApp installed on your mobile phone, am I correct? Yes. And the other way around. So if
0: you are with Signal and you want to send a message into a WhatsApp group chat, you don't have to be on WhatsApp in order for your message to be transported to there. The rules that and, and that basically brings you to the situation that as a consumer, you can now pick the messenger service with the best general conditions and not anymore the one with the most of the users. From that moment on, we have real free choice, real free will, precisely everything what we have in other legislation that is consumer protection and data uh, data protection, and by that we are um, remedying, we are curing digital markets that are so distorted that all protection rights that we have do not work anymore, and there is interoperability the key. Now in the DMA we have interoperability for messenger services. And here there is a certain process until which certain services are offered. But what we want to achieve is end-to-end communication between single users but also group chats including video calls, including voice messages, including sharing of pictures, uh, etc. And the next step in interoperability is to look at social media services, which is a bit more complicated, but which is also an aim
1: that we had behind the introduction of interoperability rules. Keyword acquisitions this is also an issue that uh, you tackled in the digital markets act meaning now uh, what is what is the state of play now big sharks eat smaller fish in 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 business now what will change with uh, the digital markets act mm-hmm. now killer acquisitions as you describe it uh, is a
0: technique that now if you are big you have a lot of money then you can just destroy competition by buying whatever kind of small and comes up. and this happens and this happens, uh, this happens yeah. absolutely um, and uh, merger control as we have it which should be the instrument to look at this is not able to grasp those situations because the companies are so small that they are not in the threshold for our, our current merger control uh, regulation hence this is an issue to be addressed as it also relates to the very nature of digital markets. What we have here, we um, the killer acquisitions are part of what we call structural remedies. What is meant by structural remedies? Traditionally in competition law, a company misbehaves, abuse of a dominant position. Uh, the commission investigates, concludes there is an abuse and at the end there is a fine, a heavy fine at times. And that fine targets at the behavior of the dominant undertaking. Change your behavior and you don't have to pay this fine anymore. Uh, But at times this is not sufficient. You have a case in the Netherlands where Apple just pays the fine that they always have to pay without changing the behavior. So it's not really... They don't care. They don't care, precisely. They just don't care. But what they care is their structure. How big they are, what they have. Um, Meta is very much concerned by having Facebook and WhatsApp together in one company. Structural remedies are now those that are looking at these constructions, the structure of the company. Killer acquisition says, if you are violating the obligations of the DMA in a systematic manner, then there is a prohibition for acquisition of smaller competitors. But we go even a step further. It's not only a ban on killer acquisitions that we have gotten in there. There is even the possibility for a breakup So the European Commission could order Meta that Facebook and WhatsApp have to be separated from each other and um, either Facebook or WhatsApp has to be sold to another company. And this is something that hurts, that hurts way more than any fine if you threaten changes in the structure. And this this is the big step forward of the DMA compared to whatever we have on the globe. In the United States they are discussing precisely this kind of structural remedies and they are not getting a majority in Congress. And here we are speaking of one state, not of 27 member states. And uh, the United States, they are looking, as I said, with envy what we were able to achieve with the 27, that we have this kind of structural remedies now in our toolbox.
1: What consequences are there for platforms that don't play by the rules? So there is a pyramid, you can say. It
0: starts if there is one infringement, one non-compliance, that there's the threat of fines. First of all, of course, meaning money, meaning money, precisely. But since there is one infringement, one could also say, okay, let's see whether there are any changes to to this behavior. If, however, the behavior is repeating itself, and um, here we look at one company that has several services, if also those several services, we see a certain pattern. If we want to go to legal text three times within a period of eight years, then we speak of a systematic non-compliance. Then we go to the next threshold. The first threshold, the fine can be up to 10% of the global turnover. The next threshold, the fine can be up to 20% of the global turnover, way more than is possible under competition law, but and here more importantly, we also opened the door for the uh, for the structural remedies, so those that really hurt.
1: You are a representative of the Socialists and Democrats in the European Parliament. What was what were the priorities uh, for our group in in this battle?
0: Our priorities were at first interoperability. We have long spoken about it and it becomes clear interoperability is one of the core tools to achieve uh, naya working digital markets we had moreover when, it, when we look at certain obligations uh, we wanted to achieve that uh, there is a prohibition on self-preferencing so that's what i said you have A gatekeeper that has a competing service like Google Pay, on the payment mark, Google says you have to always do anything with Google Pay, so we also cut that down. We wanted to have a prohibition on tying and bundling, so if you go for Google, then you basically buy in all the other services. We were in a possibility to change default settings, meaning when you um, opt for a certain operating system and that... By default, says you have to use these web browsers. You can change it. You can uninstall pre-installed apps that you do not want to have on your phone, which currently at times doesn't work. We wanted to have a ban on dark patterns. This is something very well known on the internet. Sometimes called. Can you please
1: explain out. what is dark pattern? I was because, just indeed yeah. trying.
0: Uh, I was just uh, doing that. So this is a situation you're going on a website and you have to consent that um, you accept the cookies and be tracked and whatever you do um, and they bundle this always in one big content, which in itself is problematic. And then they have this little Light grey link. Click here to change your preferences, and then this red blinking thing. Click here, otherwise the world will go down. And consumers are either too lazy to go all the clicks down there. I have to admit myself, I'm too lazy at times. <laughs> it's not just you. It's not just you. So I think we all do that somewhat, and we click on this red button to, okay, come on, I want to read this article, I want to buy this product, just go on, whatever. Yeah. And from that moment on, you have sold your soul to uh, the operator. These are dark patterns. And uh, we have now put in the DMA, and that was one of our priorities, a ban on this kind of behavior. So if you do that, you will also get fined up to structural remedies. Uh, What we were also looking at, and that was um, another top priority, was a ban on targeted advertising for miners in particular now the the issue here is you know it you're on the internet, you were on Zalando were looking at shoes, and from that moment on, for two weeks, wherever you go, you see shoes yeah and <laughs> this happens because most of the time it's Google, it collects the data what you were looking at, it is storing in your in the profile that they have of yours, and then they make targeted advertising and by that attracting a lot of advertisement budget from big companies, uh, so that also alternative ways of advertisement are getting less and less and less budgets, and Google is getting all of them. Point is, Target advertising sounds maybe as something useful because you get led to the one online marketplace that you actually want to get your products. But in order to have targeted advertising, Google needs to have so much knowledge about you that you at times are A, not aware of, or B, did not want to. But they have it, and there's a huge economic incentive to do so because targeted advertising, it is currently around 38% of Google's profits is coming from targeted advertising. So information about me as a consumer is money. Precisely, absolutely. And that can be a lot. It can be your sexual preferences. It can be your religion. It can be your political convictions. uh, Whatever it is... Uh, they make a profile to and they use target it to you. Sell me products. They sell, and uh, you made all <laughs> the right pause. They first sell you, <laughs> yes, and then afterwards there might be products coming. This is the point. Now, um, ideally, you would basically ban all this kind of behaviors because it would take away the economic incentive for uh, for for profiling you. Um, but uh, this was. Uh, by some considered to be a bit too harsh. So then we looked at this, admittedly, okay, there are also citizens who think there are benefits to this. So they can consent to this kind of actions. But the most vulnerable ones in our societies, so minors whose will is only in development, they should just not consent or ask their parents to to consent to it, as we have it under the uh, GDPR regulation, they must be protected against being profiled at youngest age. At the youngest age. So therefore it was a top priority of our group to prevent targeted advertising on minors. Our approach was here to um, request this in both legal acts, the one that you mentioned at the beginning, the Digital Service Act and the Digital Markets Act. And it made sense to address it in both since digital service looks at all of them. And we don't want to have target advertising also with the small ones. We don't want to have the small ones grow big with bad behavior like target advertising. So therefore it belongs in the DSA. But The DMA is also would, uh, was an interesting place to have this since the DMA has these very tough um, enforcement tools with the structural remedies.
1: But so aren't we protected by the current European law because we, we, we know about the GDPR that is stated in when, when you have to click on this consent, no, I don't give my consent, I do give my consent. Very often we talk about GDPR, this legislation in the area of protection of personal data. Isn't it enough? No, but this is precisely the thing.
0: This is why we need the DMA, because uh, we have all these beautiful legal acts in the GDPR, but also consumer protection, where we can give consent to anything and everything. And by withdrawing consent, we can basically say any big fish, stop that. This was our beautiful, but a bit Brussels bubble-like abstract idea, because reality is consent isn't worth anything if you basically want it. If basically access to something is so essential that there is no choice, you just give consent. And that is what happens in reality when you look at gatekeepers, because you want to be part of it, you want to be on Facebook, you want to be on WhatsApp, you want to make use of Google services, you sell your soul, because there's no alternative to that. And here we need to protect citizens so that they can actually do this, uh, that they actually can have this choice, that consent is real. And that has multiple facets. One of them is dark patterns as that I mentioned previously. Another one is targeted advertising. And therefore, precisely, we use this constant element, put that in the DMA, that we here now have a rule in there that is re- reiterating what the GDPR says, that there needs to be consent for this kind of, of, of data protection violations, if you want to call it like this, that this consent can be refused. We have now added that if you refuse for one more year, the big ones may not ask you anymore to give this again, this consent. So cookie hair will be less for you. And we included the targeted advertising as an element of um, where, where this kind of consent must be given. In the negotiations for the DMA, the council then even accepted to have the ban on targeted ads for minors in the Digital Service Act. So now the rules on consent that we have in the DMA in order to precisely place citizens in the power position that the GDPR wants to give them, by having it in the DMA together with the ban on targeted advertising for minors and um, and, uh, based on sensitive data like your sexual orientation, the interplay between DMA and DSA puts now citizens in the place where they have a free choice.
1: Okay. Um, the EU is a huge market, but it's not an island. We live in a, in a world with many players in turbulent times. What can you tell to, to those voices who say that DMA is an attempt to, to play against the Americans, Chinese, other players? In, in the world of digital? Is, is there a geopolitical angle? There is a geopolitical angle to it, but a
0: totally different one. The geopolitical angle is that also American regulators, Canadian regulators, even Chinese regulators realize that those gatekeepers have such uncontrolled power that they need to have different instruments to, to, to regulate them. And we are now setting the standard for that. The Chinese want to copy and paste the DMA for Chinese law. And the Americans, as I said, are jealous because they are not able to get there. So there is a geopolitical thing. We are setting the standards for the digital markets of the future in the entire world. If you look at the argument that this is an anti-American kind of rule, nowhere in the DMA you find anything about uh, establishment of a company. But by chance, many of those who have accumulated a power that is not healthy to any kind of market are established in the United States. This is correct. But it doesn't take away that they have to be regulated. So, first of all, it's not excluded that uh, there are also European companies that fall under the definition of gatekeeper. Rumors have it that Booking.com might be subject to it. Uh, But the majority will be, of course, American companies. But it's not about their origin, it is about their role on the markets.
1: Now, the European Parliament voted the deal you reached during the trial. Now, what comes next? Was we the calendar? Was yeah, the yeah. Now we had voted it in in committee
0: um, on uh, uh, this Monday, and we are going to have a vote in the plenary and um, the July plenary in Strasbourg on both the DMA
1: and the DSA together. The deals reached during the tribox precisely. Okay,
0: for both files for the D- Digital Markets Act and for the Digital Services Act, um, and then the council has to still approve it. That's the point of a trialogue that this is a more technical thing. So that might already um it will probably happen in July.
1: Do we expect any problems I don't in the expect Parliament any or in the
0: in the Council? No, I don't expect any problems. We have seen a clear majority in uh, in the in the um, committee even the left party which was critical about the outcome has voted in favor uh, in in the committee so i am very confident about a very very broad majority for the outcome in parliament there's also nothing in the council that would suggest that there is no qualified majority reached then we need publication in the official journal that's to be expected in the november edition and then 20 days later it will enter into force so um 20, around 20 November, we are going to have the Digital Markets Act being law. For the new 2023? Uh, while it will be now for 2020. It's then already in the books. But of course, there is a preparation time since the gatekeeper notion requires that the commission designates a company to be a gatekeeper. So from the moment on that the um, uh, Digital Markets Act enters into force, the commission starts working and it has here... A predefined period to do so um, to designate companies that they are gatekeepers. And from the moment they are designated as gatekeepers, the DMA starts to be applicable to them uh, and the obligations have to be looked at. And then we are indeed in 2023. I believe. What we have to see here, it cannot be underestimated, what we did here. This is a a revolution, if we look at the regulation, not only of digital markets, but of markets in general. For the first time, we do not want to repair markets, as we do it in competition law. For the first time, we want to create healthy markets before competition law tries to solve the issue. And we had an incredible political power with two commissioners, with uh, Commissioner Vestager and uh, Breton, with a team of um, members of parliament from different political groups and they counseled that were all aligned. All noses were in the right direction. We had discussions on, discussions on the details, but all noses were in the right directions. Big lobby came to us. The big companies lobbied us like crazy, but we were completely unimpressed and got this, done, this, this thing quickly done. This is how good legislation looks like. This is how good legislative work looks like. So we have set here incredibly high standards and I'm very proud that I had the opportunity to be a part of that.
1: René Repassi, s and negotiator on the Digital Markets Act. It was my pleasure to have you as our guest. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
2: So that was René Ripassé uh, with you in the studio, uh, Alex. Uh, were you surprised about how uh, how ambitious he was aiming
1: to be? Actually no, you know, because um, actually the, the thing with digital is in Europe and in the world either rules are non-existent or are very old when it comes to digital. So apparently we have to do something and the SND group wants to do it in the best interest of consumers and citizens like me and you.
2: And what about the so-called Brussels effect? Do you think we can hope that this is going to help people outside of Europe as well?
1: Well, yes, you know, he know he he, he told me uh, that actually everybody in the world is watching us. Big players like the US or China are watching at the example we gave with this legislation. So me and you, we are sort of trendsetters, being Europeans.
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's a beautiful image. So let's look forward to trendsetting and, and setting high standards. Thanks yeah. A lot. Yeah. Thank you.